This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from the perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, the Bolton bombshell rocks the impeachment process in D.C. day two. I know. And I have to say, I realized when I saw the headline, Bolton bombshell sways Republicans like five times, I thought... I think I actually said last week before any of this happened, there's going to be a bombshell. And you were like, oh, John Bolton. I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I say, yeah, I think it's going to be John Bolton. And it's going to sway Republicans to vote with Democrats. Yeah. Led by Mitt Romney. That was also predictable. There was a lot of foreshadowing of that. The Bolton bombshell I expected, though, was... One that was going to happen during the trial process, once they call witnesses, if they have testimony, documentation, if they actually continue this as an investigation process and not just a trial of the facts in evidence, if they open it up to an investigation, my expectation was that there would have to be a real bombshell to get 20 Republicans or something like that, some number that actually makes you worry. Yeah to vote with the Democrats. And I feel like this is bombshell 1.0 where they're going to use this to sway Mitt Romney and Susan Collins and the other Republicans who are going to vote with Democrats later this week to open up the floor to witnesses. And that, of course, is going to add some serious wild card to, well, I don't know if it's wild card. I mean, it's just going to, it's just going to give an arc to the season. To the story, yeah. Hopefully it'll bring some entertainment value too because the entertainment factor that I was looking for, and I really questioned myself while I was watching this because the only reason that I tuned in for a little while to the impeachment yesterday was to watch Alan Dershowitz. You know, here Dershowitz. I am. Dershowitz. Sorry, Dershowitz. Here Dersh. I am watching Dersh. Dersh. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm watching... <laughs> Alan Dersh here, and the only reason I'm tuning in is to find out what this creepy fuck is going to say. It's like Rotten.com, if you remember what Rotten.com is. It was this website where you go and look at gruesome pictures of horrible accidents. That's the only thing that website was. So it's the only reason that you look at this is because you're kind of curious at what grotesque really looks like. You know you shouldn't be yeah. looking at it. Yeah, and like when I, when I think of him now, I I think of that picture of Prince Andrew with Virginia Roberts when she was like fifteen or sixteen or seventeen, whatever she was, and he was handsome. He was handsome. Now I'm not saying like oh, Prince getting, Andrew. I thought you were talking yeah. about Dershowitz for saying no, no. But I'm not saying like getting raped or even like statutorily raped by some old handsome guy is not awful. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. I can't I can't imagine that it's better if it's Alan Dershowitz. You know uh, what I'm saying? And yeah. I think she fingered, so to speak, him himself. Like she said him. She she was the one who named him. And I mean, there when you see the picture of her and Prince Andrew and they want to paint her as being consenting, I don't believe she was consenting, and I don't think it's, you know, you cannot consent at a certain age. But when you look at Prince Andrew, and you, and they're like, oh, she's flying around on private jets with a prince, and uh, I think, you know, it's open to interpretation. Not open to interpretation if it's the Dersh. Yeah, he's a creepy guy who's involved and associated with a lot of creepy people, and like you said, he's been... 
He's had the finger pointed at him on a number of occasions, and I'm just like, I'm watching this creepy guy right here, and this is the only reason I'm tuning in. I feel like I need to take a shower. Well, he's a Fox darling, though. He does. My mom, the litmus test of Fox propaganda, likes him. The thing about his testimony or his speech that he gave is that unlike the stuff that shifted, which was all repeating these <laughs> easy, easy to remember talking points that a, a layman can watch and then just robotically repeat. This is, isn't a shithole country, you know. Right. Yeah. Dershowitz <laughs> is giving these detailed legal arguments and, and comparing it to past history and precedent. And I'm like, nobody's. Me- oh, I like that. I was going to do that. But if he did it, then I'm just going to listen. You to probably would have. Now it. I want to listen yeah. to it. Yeah. So I will point out, though, this is what that guy Schiff was saying about Vinman came from a shithole country. Not his exact words. Did you see Dean's tweet to us of who leaked the manuscript, supposedly? No. <laughs> Vinman's brother. Oh, the twin. Yeah. And this is how they say it. They don't they never say he. I know. Right. They never. And I, I saw a picture of them kind of next to each other. We were talking like about totally. him the other day. Yeah. So I think he's a real person. I think they're they have offices across from each other. Oh I don't know. I feel like they, the one guy just runs back and forth. <laughs> so he but they wear different outfits so you can tell them apart. So one wears a military uniform and the other wears a suit clown suit. Yeah, and it's so obvious. Like I just, I, you know, I wonder if that's why they, cho- if they are really two people, they chose those careers. But the point is that this, the Security Council or whatever the thing is called that that proofs the manuscript. The story is that Bolton's manuscript had that no one else had access to it except for this small group of people, which makes no sense. The publisher didn't see it. The editor didn't see it. The bunch of liberals in that in in publishing didn't see it. Right. They just got lucky, happened to release it on right. the day that the. No, no, they no, the that book. wasn't luck. They went back and said once the leak came out, we decided to allow pre-order. Oh, I see. They, I they see. took advantage of it. that's their story. I'm not saying I buy it. But in any case, they are saying no one but someone on that team could have leaked the manuscript. And by coincidence, that guy was on the team. And by coincidence, his brother is one of the star witnesses against Trump in the impeachment. By coincidence. Lots and lots of coincidences. Yes. So I do also want to point out, and I'm sure this will be a coincidence. If I, there's no reason to believe Bolton, I just want documentation. I want to know what the rules are for withholding aid. And I want to see if there's any documentary evidence that those rules were broken. I don't I haven't seen anything. So he could get up there and perjure himself in front of Congress, just like Yovanovitch seems to have done, according to Lutsenko's interview on OANN and how Eric Holder did that and got away with it. Plenty of people have perjured themselves before Congress, even the Senate. I think Eric Holder did it in front of the Senate about Operation Fast and Furious, if I recall correctly. And he could do that. And we might see that. I think uh they and then you might get more bombshells and you're going to get a little more drama. You're going to get more Republicans. They already started feeding out in the journal that that Republicans are being graded or being assessed, evaluated by the American public in this election year to see if they deserve to continue to control the Senate based on how they conduct themselves in this impeachment. So there's going to be a lot of that. Like, I have to be open-minded about this because my people have high standards of bipartisanship or nonpartisanship or whatever. I think that's going to come something that was 
foreshadowed on my show on WSB a week ago Saturday is this moral courage idea. So somebody mm-hmm. called and said, people need the moral courage to stand up. And I was like, but tons of people are standing up and it's not moral courage. It's 100% bipartisan. No one has moral yeah. courage on either side. And then Adam Schiff said, Republicans need moral courage. He said that after I got the call. So I think the the indivisible email might have the script might have gone out to everyone at once, like, and then Adam Schiff got it at the same time my caller troll got it. I've been getting email after email from them telling me what I need to do today, the five actions, five steps I need to take. I've been getting text after text after text from them as well telling me to do the same. I mean, they are relentlessly attacking people. And what are, are they telling you to group. do exactly? They tell me to call my senator and put pressure on my senator, and they give me the talking points to say. And the Do they ever are- tell you to call... A radio station? I've seen that. Yes, but they I don't have know instructional it, yeah. trainings where they they do. They instruct right. you to. That's the I bird think that's a a sub a subcategory. I think they'll blast everyone with your thing. Call your senator. Uh huh. But I think you're. I wouldn't be. I think there's some training to like. When that guy called me a week ago Saturday, I really wouldn't have thought he was any a troll rather than a Democrat. Yeah. But for that, he foreshadowed a meme to yeah. come. Another thing they do is they will connect you. They say you need to contact people in other districts whose senators are need to be pressured and you are going to tell them what they need to tell their senator. And then you are going to directly connect them to their senator via a push button. All you got to do is push one button on your computer. You're connecting other people to their senator. Wow. But very sophisticated. Yeah, it's hard for me to. I mean, this is uh, the only the only way I can structure it in my mind is the three dimensional chess. I mean, it's just the only way. That's more for the public than it is the actual pressure, I I believe. There's both. But by investing the public in the fight. Yes, yes, yes. That makes a stronger reaction. That fits better. That fits better than just completely discrete levels. Yeah. That it's really all about propaganda. Because I actually think the 3D chessboard might not even be real except for the propaganda elements of it. That yeah. when we see Russia do bad things or when we do bad things to Russia, it's so Russia can get their people to vote for green cities, yeah. you know, or yeah. world government. That it's really you have to look at it. That's where the 3D comes in. It's other populations mm-hmm. being propagandized. Yeah. Interesting. So two other things about this, just as a news item, today is the last day of opening statements. It's when the Republicans wrap. I don't know if we said that. And one more thing. On the impeachment? Yeah. So there's this as within as I was cramming the news into my brain this morning, this came up three damn times. So I know it matters. Bolton is being described as or disputed as, or he himself is disputing and Trump is describing him as a neoconservative. And Bolton is saying, no, I'm just a regular conservative. I supported Barry Goldwater and I schooled my Yale class as valedictorian or whatever, he made a speech. So he's trying to describe himself as a as a conservative, not a neoconservative. And the Wall Street Journal article, Gerald Seib, who I do not care for, wrote neoconservative in quotes. Now, I have the book by Irving Kristol called Neoconservatism, 
the autobiography of an idea. And it describes exactly, exactly what Bolton is. And it was in advance. It was an instruction manual. It was how to get traditional conservatives to become hawks and want war, how to get them to be not fiscally conservative, but to support a big government that's going to do what they want. It's about co-opting the religious and that's how you do it. So it was a way to get rid of in every step of the way, traditional conservative values and supplant them with this guy's hawkish values. And Trump is trying to appeal to or look like he's trying to appeal to this holdover. So Ron Paul could access these Neo, uh, traditional conservatives. It's a more libertarian position. And Trump tries to hijack that vibe. But the tell is today he came out with this Middle East peace, peace plan, which it's even in the Wall Street Journal, it says from top to bottom that uh, I'll just give you uh, one passage. It says Israelis will say yes or yes, but said uh, Mr. Miller, Aaron David Miller, a former advisor to both Democrats and Republicans. Uh, he said, Israelis will say yes or yes, but key Arab states will probably say maybe in order to stay on the right side of Donald Trump. Palestinians will say hell no. So by playing into, I think this that's a hawkish position because that will cause problems. That causes problems to uh, to really antagonize the people over there. This is not like a peace plan. It's a. They always say it's not really meant to be a peace plan, that it's meant to be a, uh, an excuse for antagonism. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that justifies our interventions over there, which I'm more and more concluding are simply, as Gregory Harms said in a book I really liked of his, straight power concepts. It's about military industrial complex, about energy, it's about all that stuff. But it's a neoconservative thing to want to go out there and control the world. It's not a traditional conservative thing. So I just feel like they're going to try to use this as an opportunity to to further paint Trump as one kind of guy when he's really uh, not that kind of guy, kind yeah. of the way his he appeals to that same group's aversion to globalism and delivered globalism on steroids. Yeah, yeah. I did also want to say, speaking of bait and switch, the Virginia gun rally, I just an analogy or an expression came to my mind that was so spot on. I had to share it that everyone's like, oh, the Virginia gun rally. It was great. There was no violence. There's no false flags. It's fantastic. Now we know. And I absolutely in trying to kind of postmortem that I really missed the whole point. And the point was, and this is the expression I was just like, exactly. I know when I thought of this, I realized it's. The operation was a success, but the patient died. Yeah. So all those laws passed. They all passed. Oh, okay. They had passed and they're not going away. Yeah. And now the sanctuary city thing is so the, spreading. Yeah. But I feel like that's just bringing that gun control dialectic up a notch to do two things. Continue to get the everything but laws uh, in the Republican side of the aisle. And then ultimately, just like heartbeat laws with abortion, I feel like ultimately they're actually not going to stand up to constitutional scrutiny. They will uh, backfire. I don't think that you're going to have a civil war with the government invading those things. I think people will just stand down or give some face-saving bridge to retreat. Yeah. But I, I think this dialectic is being promoted obviously for subversive reasons and what were the the laws again that passed i know this had to do with gun 
confiscation or something, right? One that one did not pass. Okay. The one that there were four laws. That one was scrapped before the rally even began. Uh, one was that you can only buy one gun every thirty days. Another one was there's some kind of background check issue. Mm. I don't know if the third one was a red flag law. Red flag law is definitely on the table there. I'm not sure if that was one of the ones that passed. I'd have to find my old notes, but I don't have that in front of me. Uh, anyway, there. this is like considered... I, I also think that this is an attack on democracy. So they just got this... They just voted in a democratic government in Virginia Yet 91 out of 95 counties are declaring themselves sanctuary cities, which why did they just vote for these guys? In This is another attack on democracy. They're calling it like tantamount to jury nullification, which is exactly what they're saying about the impeachment. They're misrepresenting jury nullification, which is a valid and powerful tool where you don't have to obey unjust laws in a in a jury trial. Yeah. And that, that I'm sure they would love, the powers that be would love to get rid of that. Yeah. And it's just a way that de- democracy, is, the system as it is, is, is demonstrated as not working, that our democratic system uh-huh. does not work. And then what are you going to get? I, I, I'm all for anarcho-capitalism, but I don't think that's where this is headed. Yeah. Well, related to a gun theme, but also a conspiratorial theme, Sandy Hook truther Wolfgang Halbig, I think that's how you say his name. Yeah, do you recall I him? Think so. Yeah, he was arrested yesterday and charged just in Florida, and he was charged with unlawful possession of personal identification. And the arrest affidavit said that he repeatedly emailed Mr. Posner's social security number, date of birth, and other info to a long list of recipients, which included multiple law enforcement agencies and news stations. I just found this story interesting that he was arrested under a law that makes it illegal for you to be in possession of someone's social security number and other similar information, even if digitally. So not like having their ID physically, but having their address, their social security number, all that stuff digitally, which oftentimes you can find that stuff online. I don't I don't believe in intellectual property or like non-physical property at all anyway but i will say wordpress emailed to me leonard posner's address and phone number really so they disseminated it to the people they were saying he was after now the response a lot of people had to that was to go after him yeah yeah exactly so WordPress could also be arrested under this So in law. the article, did they show the guy's social security number? No, they did not. You know, but that's the kind of thing You're they right. do. You're right. And I, that's what I'm wondering about this. It, it sounds like you could just send this information to somebody and, and then get them in trouble. Call the police on them. Yeah. Swatting, and, digital swatting. Mm-hmm. And they, they said that he was doxing people, but I don't know how sending that to law enforcement agencies is necessarily doxing them. Sending it to other people, it would be, yeah. but... If it's being sent to you by WordPress or whatever, I don't know how he obtained it. It just seems a bit weird because that information is not often that difficult to find. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I remember when I was in college, 
uh, and I was using um, I was in law school. I was using what was it, it was Lexus Nexus or something for the yeah. first time, and I don't know how I how I found it. But the first just, thing you did was start. First thing I did was find my my, my college roommate's social security <laughs> number and then send it to him and go ha ha. And then he was like, "Holy shit!" And I was like, "Well, it's on Lexus Nexus. I don't know if it is." See, anymore. you just confessed to a felony. Uh, on, on, and maybe it wasn't a law back then. I did go to school in well, Florida. Well, it was a long time ago. I don't think you can. Wow, you know, I did go to school in Florida. I could have gotten arrested under that. Yeah. Uh-oh. So speaking of conspiracy theories, the coronavirus has sparked uh, some conspiracy theories that Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube and the Silicon Valley tech companies are trying to stop. And I think you're going to find a little bit of this story interesting. Some of the actions that they're taking is... Hold on a second. Let me get my list here. All right. So Facebook says that they've already issued nine fact checks in recent days pertaining to fake posts about the virus, including a post that says oregano oil proves effective against the coronavirus. I just bought oregano oil, but not for that, for the flu. (laughs) Yeah. And they have come out and they are (laughs) – they label the inaccuracies, which lowers the rank in the user's daily feeds, and they're not the only one. Oh, are they saying that oregano oil that is not accurate? I don't they're, believe that. They're saying it is not effective. They're saying that's fake news is what they're Here's saying. Here's the thing that it's important to know. It is illegal to say something true about health that has not been approved by the FDA. Yes. And that absolutely. this guy, Jonathan Emord, he fought and won. The FDA it took him a long time and then he had to fight again to get it enforced that they were suppressing the information that folic acid prevents spina bifida. Kids were born with spines on the outside of their bodies practically because that information was known and the FDA was suppressing it. So just because they say they can say it's not true, they're allowed to say it's not true, but it might be true. Yeah, and I don't know the contents of that article. Oregano, it could be a health thing and health prevents Oregano oil uh, pneumonia. Is, is like an antibacterial, antiviral, like turmeric is one of them. Uh, echinacea is one of them. If, if it improves just, the immune system, I would might. say that that is going to have a positive effect in strengthening your ability to resist a virus. Yeah. So I don't know what the content of it is, but I know that they lowered it in rank. And I know that Twitter has been steering users towards more, quote, credible sources when they search for coronavirus related hashtags. And YouTube is investing heavily to raise authoritative, remember that word, we've heard that a lot, authoritative content on the site to reduce the spread of misinformation. And they got one quote from an expert. I'll read the quote to you, then we'll see if you can guess where the expert is from. It's captivated the public and been trending on social media as people look for more information. So the platforms should certainly be putting their fact-checking and algorithmic downranking of conspiracy content to work here. Wait, you might have to start. I found that hard to follow. Say it again. It's talking about fake news related to the coronavirus. Yeah. Who it, is talking about it? Well, I, I was going to see if you wanted to guess. That. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, good. It's captivated the public and been yeah. trending on social media as people yes. look for more information. So the platforms yeah. should certainly be putting their fact-checking and algorithmic It's not that propaganda guy, Sten- Spangler. Stangler. No, but you're not far off. It is Renee Darista. Oh, my gosh. Of new knowledge? Of new knowledge. Wow. The only yeah, she's group, a deep stater through and through. Yep. The only group that has officially, there's proven evidence, and they've admitted conducting a false flag of spreading misinformation about Ru- Russian propaganda. Right. Once again, they are the cited experts 
on fake news. So that's what I thought was interesting. How about the that. hell would they know about oregano oil? Apparently, you know what I mean? How do they know it's fake news? They don't know that. They Who's just know what, what a bot is and what misinformation is. And they just I, I don't know. They're but just, I mean, truth is the question. It's not the source. See, that's the thing. Yeah. They keep wanting to go to the source. And what the only thing those guys could be qualified to identify, which they're not because they're liars. But the only thing they could be qualified to identify is the source, the nature of the source. Yeah, right. That's what their right. expertise. Source does not equal truth, and authoritative is the key word there. Authoritative source is what because they it's are not. The, it, who's to say that right. it has? It doesn't have authority over my mind. These people are propagandists working with the Chatham House and high-level yeah. intel yeah. of the British. Of the now, UK, is who now, I mean, I it's it is p- possible that they are actually trying to create conspiracy theories about the coronavirus because I, I think that they I, are. I mean, it looks like it just exploded onto the scene and viruses. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not. There's a few more interesting. Not as afraid of a virus as I am a bacteria. So the coronavirus, it definitely has been some. I mean, people are are terrified of it right now. So 74 percent of Americans believe are concerned about an outbreak. Uh, They're more concerned about it than they were Ebola in 2014. U.S. adults, apparently they trust the CDC more than they trust Congress to control the spread of the virus. And 47% believe that someone from their state will eventually get infected. And this is the most interesting one to me. The majority of U.S. adults support travel bans, enhanced airport screenings, and quarantine protocols to prevent the spread of the virus. That just conditions people to be frisked and stuff for no reason innocent people at all borders to be you know what i mean it's the it's the standstill while this spider reads your retina it's yeah it's also a way to get people who were adamantly against travel bans and called them racist to support travel totally and uh and biomarker stuff like that exactly Mm -hmm. and if anybody it can do that's definitely this is definitely a policy agenda yes coming on not just terror not just strategy of tension absolutely and viruses i mean i'm like more and more convinced that that viruses are just not the threat they say they are. Viruses are kind of mild, if I understand correctly. Like bi- bacteria is what really messes you up. I don't know enough about this virus. You can I- look. At, I mean, some people think viruses that the very nature of viruses has been profoundly misrepresented. Yeah, and that because you think about a virus, supposedly they're not alive. So then, what happens? <laughs> No. Zombies are taking. And like my brother, they say he died of AIDS, but he for sure died of AZT poisoning. Mm-hmm. He had no symptoms at all. He took the AZT, said, oh, my gosh, that stuff destroyed my liver. And then he died of that. <laughs> so. Well, I think we should all be safe because the chief science officer of Johnson and Johnson went on CNBC today and said that he believes the drug makers are going to create a vaccine to fight the coronavirus. And we have dozens of scientists. Well, already if it's not real then it'll work 100%. It'll be pretty easy. They can have 100% non-corona, no coronavirus in the United States if it doesn't exist. So that, like a freaking vaccine, it's like proven a negative. Yeah. It's like, well, you didn't get it, did you? Right. So travel bans, vaccines, all the same markers that we always see with stuff like this. And surgical masks are selling oh. out in like California. Do they work? Is, can you and, breathe no, through something that cannot penetrate a viral size microbe? They say How that is surg- that even possible? Yeah, they say the surgical masks work more for preventing people who have something. Yes, that's spreading. what they used to be. And I used to be like, oh, that's so considerate. And then I saw it everywhere and I was like, 
are you a narcissist? Like, what? Are you literally afraid of me? I'm like five feet away from you. Like, yeah. what are you? I just feel like it's taking yourself too seriously. And the fact that it looks like it doesn't work. I would suggest that anyone who is entrepreneurial and can turn around a product quickly, mm-hmm. make coronavirus mask, make themed yes. mask, Trump yes. themed, progressive themed, whatever, AOC mm-hmm. themed, maybe some quips, some slogans on Or like on a there. goatee or like better teeth, good That's, teeth yeah, or a, bad Yeah, teeth. a little image on there. There you yeah. go. And mm-hmm. if you do that and you turn a, a profit, you can go ahead and give us a cut. We'd appreciate that. There's definitely a product <laughs> Ideas there. are cheap, buddy. Execution <laughs> is everything. Yeah. But yeah. I, I shouldn't, I don't like to talk out my butt. So maybe they do work. I don't know. But I remember in the day thinking you did it to prevent other people from getting sick. And then they were everywhere. And I was like, do all these people have some horrible illness? And then I realized, mm-hmm. no, like people will do it much more for themselves, which is fine. I mean, as a, as a libertarian who believes that self-motivated action can result in a well-ordered society yeah i'm okay with self-interest but information is important and terror doesn't help strategies of tension speaking of terror i did see something where they're saying that this virus could have kind of a black swan effect on the the stock market and oh my gosh they're saying that it's affecting the stock market that's what you brought that up i believe recently i might have be a destabilizing effect for all that we know. One more quick story if we got a f- yeah, yeah, about go another for minute. It. Absolutely. Missouri students are going to be required or they are being required to install a location tracking application so that the university can pinpoint them so that they can determine whether or not they're going to class and that they can track their patterns going in and out of class. And there are some 40 plus institutions, major institutions, I believe Auburn, I think Wisconsin, major universities. This is called Spotter EDU, by the way. Major, what? It's called Spotter EDU. Oh, yeah, yeah. EDU. I know that because there's also Shot Spotter, and I just wonder if they're yeah, of similar. the same thing. But right. yes, we covered Spotter EDU when we were, or I certainly did some research, and I'm not sure we brought it up on the podcast, but when we're talking to Brian Tui about how student athletes are the are the entree into the school and they kind of do it willingly because that's how they get their academic verification. That's where this originated from. Did it, it started yeah. with student athletes. It was a basketball yeah. coach that invented mm-hmm. it. And they have spread it to the all of the students. The teachers do have to opt in. So not all of the teachers opt in, but the ones that do they can study the the behavioral patterns of when they go to class and when they don't. And they you know. they've actually applied some of these technologies to stadiums Oh, also. Yeah. So there was something, it was a big thing like a year and a half ago. I think uh, Dean again tweeted it to us, but I think we got it from a couple of people that talked about how, I don't know if it was facial recognition. It wasn't facial recognition. It was like you walk into the stadium and they know you're there from your phone and they know if you leave early Uh and they were doing that. And now they're doing that in classes as well. Yeah. One of the things that they're studying, which it's a, comes off as identity politics is it says the program emails professors automatically if a student is not in class or shows up more than a few minutes late professors can look specifically at attendance patterns for quote students of color or quote out-of-state students for retention purposes yes i hate that stuff that's awful Uh and not to mention i used to get on the wrong side of a professor here or there i don't know i was not very respectful of authority Is that right yes tell us an so example. well i had a teacher and he used to ask questions and 
I and I would just pass. I would just say pass and class participation. This was in business school. So it was like I should have been a grown up about it. But anyway, and he should have too. So he would ask me questions and I knew class participation was only ten percent of the grade. And every time I showed up for class, he would like skip everybody and go straight to me until I answered his damn question. Oh, and I gosh. never answered the question because I never did the reading. So I stopped going to the class altogether, knowing full well I could still pass the class. It was pass fail school. Without 10%. So while I was out, because I never went back to the class, he passed around a, a um, flyer to everybody saying that he was increasing the weight of class participation. And then I failed. He failed me a little Yeah. Fun. And I had to take the class over. And it was With personal. him again? No, to somebody else. But I was like, I was a second year going back to first he year. He changed the, the thing policy yes. just for you. Right. And he didn't email it like he normally did everything else. He only told the people in the class. And I stopped going because he was hounding me. Well, I'm sure he's thrilled to have this application if he's still teaching. But it was personal. You know what I mean? And I actually think that I intimidated him physically because I was taller than he was. Wow. And I don't think he liked that. Tiny professor. He was a tiny professor. And he could have been cute. I liked him. He had a little goatee. He was cute. Too bad he was a jerk. Just couldn't fucking handle it, man. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.